Once again, let's thank the church lady for coming and giving us some words of wisdom. Yeah. So the talk tonight is called, Now If We're Talking Bodies. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, My name is Ryan. Welcome to United. This is week two of Netflix and Chill, a series on sex. Um, I just want to remind you um, as we talk that uh, we'll talk about some things that might kind of kind of grab at you a little bit, might be a little bit emotional. Um, I just want to make sure you know, guys, I love you. I want what's best for you. And more importantly than that, God loves you. He wants what's best for you. And so uh, just know that whenever, we talk in, whenever we're talking about this, that's where we're coming from. We're not here for guilt and shame. God does not come to condemn us, but to love us, to give us peace. And just keep in mind also that even though I seem old, I'm still in my 20s, and only a year ago I was not married, so I was essentially right where you guys were. So um, I'm not really talking from a place too far from you guys um, because I've been where you've been. So um, we're just going to start by praying. Um, and if you, uh, if you don't really pray, if you don't really believe in God, you can just kind of have a moment of silence and focus. And uh, we're just going to have a, a short time to focus our hearts and then we're going to get started. So let's just spend a moment in silence and focus and then I will close us out in prayer and we'll get started. Lord, we ask that you will speak to our hearts tonight, that we'll focus on you. That nothing else in the world will matter right now except what you say to us. And that, uh, that we won't feel guilt and shame tonight, but that we'll feel the love of a father who loves us like crazy and the peace and grace that you give us. Speak to us, Lord, in these moments. In your name, amen. As we, as we talked about last week, some of you, most of you were here, some of you may not have been, but I just want to recap where we were. Um, last week we talked about what is the big deal with sex. Why is it such a big deal? What does the world say about it? What does God say about it? We established that our beliefs about sex are very important because if we don't believe the right things, if we don't know the truth, if we don't have the right knowledge, then we're going to act in a way that is wrong because our, we, our beliefs are going to be reflected by the way we act. And we talked about how God created sex in the beginning, how God created it as a gift for us, how it is not a bad thing, how it is not something um, that we should never talk about. It's not evil. It is good. He created it for good, but he gave us guidelines to protect us. We talked about how fires are great things, but when they get out of the fireplace, they can burn us, they can kill us, they can destroy. And just like that, sex is a gift, but God's given us some guidelines so that we can be protected from the damage that sex can cause in our lives. And we talked about some of the things that God does to protect us. All of his laws protect us. All of his, all of his commandments protect us, including his, his laws and commandments about sex. And, and we went over some things like the things that we wouldn't have to worry about if we didn't have uh, premarital or extramarital sex, the things that we wouldn't have to worry about, like unwanted pregnancy, like STDs, like um, these, these, these situations where we're walking around and we're seeing other people and, and there's this, this major tension and awkwardness because we've shared partners or we, we, we had a sexual encounter with them at some point. And something we didn't even talk about was what if the whole world listened to God? What if, what if the entire world listened to God's rule on sex, and, and, and we just only had sex within marriage with our spouse. Think about the things that would not exist. Orphanages would basically not exist because there wouldn't be unwanted babies because all the babies would have come in a, in a marriage relationship. There'd be almost no orphans. There'd be very, very, very low percentages of, 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 um, of rape and molestation. Like These things that destroy people's lives just simply wouldn't really exist. There would, be, um, there would be almost uh, basically no adultery, and, and because of that, uh, divorce rates would plummet 
And there would be so many more connected families. Just think about all the good things that could come of that. It's just a logical, a logical step to take from, from God's rules for our lives. But here's the issue. Here's the issue. We may believe all that. You may have come last week or you may have just heard that this week and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm down with that. I understand that. That makes sense. It makes sense what God gives us. But there's an issue. There's an issue. And that is that sex feels good. I want to have sex. We want to have sex. Our bodies are designed to want sex. That's how we were created. There are certain things that happen when we hold hands with someone we like, or we start kissing someone we like, or we start hugging someone we like, or doing more than that, that happen to our bodies, happen to guys. There's blood rushing to places that we didn't expect it to rush to. Girls, there's stuff going on in our bodies. And these things happen because physiologically, biologically, your body is preparing you for sex. It's preparing you for sex. Whether you intend to have sex or not, it's preparing you for sex. It's making your body get ready for and want sex. In, in fact, like our whole body is just yearning for sex, whether we've had it before or not. It's kind of like I have a, um, uh, my brother-in-law has a dog. It's an American bulldog, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of not the smartest dog. And it's just like, oh, I want what I want. And when it comes up, as, as, as most dogs do that are allowed in the house, which I don't understand why anybody would let, ever let a dog in their house. But they come, up to the, they come up to the table and they start begging for food. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to eat here. Get your nasty slobber yourself out of here. But he comes up and he'll come up right next to me. And maybe I'll feed him or he thinks I'm about to feed him. And what does he do? He just starts drooling. His body, his mouth is preparing itself to break down some food. It's preparing itself to eat and digest some food, and I'll look down, and he's just got a puddle beneath him, just, and he's just like drooling everywhere, and he's just like, I need the food that you're going to give me, I need it, everything in his body is just like, ah, food, food, and that's us with sex, everything in our body prepares us for sex, and and we just are, we go through puberty, and we're just like, ah, I need this, I need this, and that's just the reality of life, even, even in a more basic level than that, we have attractions, we have these attractions, and we see people at the beach, and you know Jack's Beach is, uh, is like a no-clothes zone. So you walk around, and you see people with booty cracks hanging out. You see some cracks up here. You see some cracks right here on the guys, and you, and you just see that all over the place, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm attracted to that. I'm attracted to that. You're just like running around like a dog after food, and you're just like, I need this. We're attracted to these things. Now, now that's not a bad thing. This isn't bad. None of these things are, are despicable things. They're ways that God has created us. And so we don't want to, again, just like sex is bad, our, our sex isn't bad, our desires for sex are not bad. But we're in this place where we see what God wants and what makes sense, but we're in this world and our bodies are wanting certain things and, and we can't really help it. The, the statistics say that it takes .02, two hundredths of a second, to decide when you see a picture of the opposite sex in, in a bikini or in a bathing suit, it takes .02 seconds for you to, to decide if they are attractive or not. That's how quick your body decides, how quick your mind decides. Generally, and, and this has changed throughout history, but generally, men are, are attracted to the following things. And um, I, this might be the first time some of the guys want to say amen in church ever in the history of, uh, of United. But they're looking for women who are, gener- and these are generalities, but these are generally what we scientifically are looking for in our culture right now. We're looking for women. Men are looking for women who are shorter, have a youthful appearance, have a symmetrical face. That means they're like not, qua- like, not like Quasimodo and like kind of some kind of two-face. Um, they got full breasts, full lips, and a... <laughs> uh, I love the sixth graders saying amen. They're like, I don't even know what I'm amen in. <laughs> I'm just going to say amen. It feels good. Um, 
And, and guys want a low waist to hip ratio. So a tiny little waist and a big hips. All right. And girls, girls, you got some things you like too. Men who are taller have, have facial symmetry, of course, as well. You want those masculine features, the jaw, the facial hair, the, the brow, all that kind of stuff. The George Clooney, the little like uh, dot in the middle of your chin, the dimple. Girls want, uh, girls want broad shoulders, a relatively narrow waist, and they want the V-shaped torso. That V-shaped torso that's just like, oh, you're so strong. To, oh, you're so skinny. That's what, that's what, guy, that's what girls are, gen- <laughs> are generally looking for. So, so we're, in this, we're in this struggle between what God wants and what we even know is true and what we're feeling, what our body is making us feel. Now, Believe it or not, sex was not invented in 1999 or something like that when you were born. Sex has existed for all of humanity. And a lot of times we think, oh, well, the world, um, it's only recently that, like, sexual temptation happened. It's only recently that people wanted uh, other people and the people started dressing scantily and all that kind of stuff. Because we're looking at very, maybe very short-term history. You might be comparing us to the 1950s or something, but... There's a reason why you can go to Egypt and look at hieroglyphics and see some very naughty, nasty things. Because these things have always existed. And in the Bible, believe it or not, sex already existed. And we're going to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the exact situation that we're in right now was facing these people in the city of Corinth. So the Apostle Paul, many of us know him, one of the greatest missionaries of all time. He went to Corinth. And he was this big city, lots of trade going through there, lots of people, lots of buildings. And he went there and he planted a church. So this church was bomb. They had good speakers. They had like, they had a good facilities. They had everything going for them. They had a lot of people and they were, they were thriving. But, but there were some issues in this church. And here's why. Corinth was like Sin City. Corinth was like, um, like, like, like old school Las Vegas, like Amsterdam. They let anything go. Like, Drugs, alcohol, orgies, people having sex with everybody. It was just crazy. There was some nasty stuff going on. There was some incest between family members. There were these temples, these temples where, pagan temples, where there would be these, things, these people called priestesses, but they were really prostitutes. They were temple prostitutes. And as these people were walking to church or walking to worship, you think it's tempting for us in Jack's Beach. They were hearing people have sex. They were seeing them out on the front porch of the temple having sex. These women that were naked would be calling them in to the temple. And this is what they were dealing with. And so they were in a situation where, like, they were in this struggle between what they knew God told them and what was going on around them. There was even a term when you became like a bad person or when you started being like a party animal or something, and people would tell you, oh, you've been Corinthianized. That's what they would say all over the Mediterranean area. They'd say, you've been Corinthianized. You've turned into what those Corinth people are. It is bad. And so, and so Paul writes this letter, and it seems a little bit mean. We read it, and we're like, man, Paul was mean. But he was just being direct because he knew what was at stake with these people. And they were, they were starting to pull, drag, dr- having themselves dragged back in to sin, and especially sexual sin. And so let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 12 through 20. 12 through 20, but we're going to start with 12 through 18. I have the right to do anything, you say. So, so the Corinthians were saying, we can do whatever we want. And Paul said, yeah, yeah, you're right, but not everything's beneficial for you. It's not necessarily good for you. And you may say, I have the right to do anything again. But Paul says, we shouldn't be mastered by anything. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be captured by these things of the world. They're going to hurt us. Remember last week we talked about how the world's freedom traps us. 
He says, we, we don't want to do that. And they had this old cliche, this, this old saying that they would say, and they would say, food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. In other words, well, like, food's made for us to eat, and we're made to want food, and so we might as well just eat whatever we want because God's going to destroy us all in, in any way, and we're going to die one day, and so let's just do what we want. And they were using that and applying it to sex. You know, we're sexual beings. We just, we want to have sex. Sex is made for us. Let's just do whatever we want. It was kind of like the old school, no regrets, YOLO. I'm just going to do whatever we want to do. And Paul says this to that. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ, the body of Christ, and unite them with a prostitute? Never, 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 never. I hope it never happens is what he's saying. In verse 16, he says this. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, and he quotes Genesis, which we talked about last week, the two will become one flesh. The two become one. No matter whether you want to or not, you are becoming a part of that person. Are you really going to take Jesus and connect him with that? Verse 17, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Then he says this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Let's stop there for a second. The first thing is sex affects us emotionally, physically, relationally, and spiritually. This isn't just a physical thing. This is what the Corinthians were saying. Paul, 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 don't worry. It's just a physical thing. I'm still a Christian. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's affecting you in more ways than you think. It's a sin against your body. It's hurting your body. It, it's, it's, it's connecting you emotionally and relationally with other people. It's hurting your relationships. And most importantly, it's messing you up spiritually. Your spirit is not separate from your body. You can't separate the two things. There's, a, there's a, a chemical in our body called oxytocin, and, and when we have sex, or we have a sexual experience, it releases itself into your body, and, and it gives us this feeling of warmth and security. And it also gives us this bond. Whether we want to or not, it gives us this bond with the person that we're with. And we think, oh, it's just, it's just one, one time. It's just my boyfriend or girlfriend. It's just, it, it doesn't mean anything, but physically... We're being connected to that person. It's kind of like if you remember the movie Avatar and they do that weird kind of like little tentacle thing where it kind of connects like this and it kind of seems sexual because it is. But, um, but they, they connect and it's kind of strange. That's essentially what happens to us too. We get this connection with the person that we are with whether we want to or not. So sex affects us in all these ways and it's more than just skin deep. And so that's what Paul is telling the Corinthian people. It's more than that. So, what is the solution? We've talked about what God says. We've, we've established that the world and, and our desires want something else. And we're stuck in this, in this dilemma between the two. So, what is the solution? What is the solution? Many times, many times as Christians and, and people all over the world, we like to ask the question, well, how far is too far? Or how far can I go? Like, like, how far can I go without, like, like, being ashamed? Or how far can I go? Like, how far does, will God let me go? And it's the wrong question. That's not the way we fix this dilemma. That's not the way we, we bridge the gap between what God wants and the world wants. We can't just say, well, how far is too far? How, how far can I go? Here's why. It, it's the wrong question. 
It's not a biblical thing. We never see anywhere in scripture about any sin, Jesus or a prophet or anybody say, you can give just this much. You can serve just this much. You can love just this much. No more than that. Just love 20% of the people. You're okay. That, that's, that's far enough. And with negative sins, we never see uh, uh, God or Jesus say, well, um, you know, uh, just, just, just don't like, uh, you know, don't, don't hate people. Or just don't murder people. But you can hate people. In fact, Jesus says, if you hate people, it's the same thing. It doesn't say, well, you can just, um, you can just uh, uh, lust a little bit as long as you don't have adultery. In fact, Jesus says, lust is basically the same thing. And so there's no thing in scripture which says, like, just go a certain amount or just don't do a certain thing. That's not the way it functions in the Bible. It's the wrong question to ask. We wouldn't, for example, we wouldn't stand over a cliff that's 3,000 foot drop and say, well, how close can I get? Not a smart person. Some people do that, but how close can I get without falling? And we're doing like poses like this over the side because we would all say, man, you're stupid. You're, you're putting yourself at risk. There is a risk to that. This is a dangerous situation. You're playing with life and death. And when we ask that question, when we try to solve the, the, the problem with saying, well, how far can I go? How far is too far? That's the situation we're putting ourselves in. And Paul gives us some different direction. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say anything about saying, well, how far can I go? How far can I get? He says this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Now, some of you may say, well, that's, that's for Christians, but I'm not a Christian, so that doesn't apply to me. The truth is, for God so loved the world, not Christians, not people who would believe in him, not people that went to church. He loved everyone. He died for everyone. Whether you ever accept him, excuse me or not, he died for you. You are included on this. He paid a price for you. You are valuable. And so your body is not your own. It is God's. It is a temple of the Holy Spirit if you have given your life to Christ. The Holy Spirit has come into you. And so, first of all, Paul says, your body's not your own. And so this is just a chance for me to say, you don't own yourself. You can't just do what you want. Yeah, you can, but you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your heavenly father who loves you and doesn't want to see that for you. And even more so, you don't own other people's bodies. You have no right to tell someone, just go a little bit farther. You have no right to say, I, I just want a little bit more. You have no right to do any of those things, to touch someone the way they don't want to be touched or anything because their bodies are not yours. In fact, your own body's not even your own. And if you vice versa, no one else has the right to touch your body. That's called abuse, that's called rape, that's called molestation. It's not right. So if it happens to you, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It doesn't matter if it's a friend that you're really close to. It doesn't matter if it's a family member. It doesn't matter if it's an adult or, or, or someone your age. It does not matter. They have no right to touch you because your body is not theirs. Your body is not theirs. And it doesn't matter how much they sweet talk you and how, how nice they seem and how great it, they, 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 But they ask nice. You don't have to do that. You don't have to send them that picture. You don't have to, 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 to go that far. You don't have to go into that bedroom or go on that date or do anything like that. And if it happens, please tell somebody. Please tell someone in, in your life. But your body is not your own and it's no one else's. It is the Lord's. And then this is how he closes this, this, this situation. And here's what we need to ask ourselves. 
This is a lot better than how far is too far. This is what he says. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, because of all this, therefore, honor God with your body. I'll make it a little bit simpler for you and easy to remind you and you'll, you'll never forget it. Honor God with your bod. Everybody say that. Honor God with your bod. See, see how we take off one letter and now it rhymes and it's just going to be stuck in your head forever. Honor God with your bod. So write that down. And before, um, before we talk about honoring God with your bod, I just want to make sure we're kind of on the same page on this. I want to define sex for you, because a lot of times we think of sex as one thing, when, when really it's probably a little bit more. I would say, and, and I, would, I could show you probably in scripture um, uh, that would back this up, that sex is more than just intercourse. There's a reason they call oral sex. They don't just say, I mean some people might say oral, but it is called oral sex. And there, is a, a, there, there are things that we can do that I would say simulate sex. And this may, might, may, might make some of you uncomfortable, but if we rub body, parts of our body together in order to get a certain, des, a, a, a certain end goal, that is the same as sex. If we are rubbing each other with our hands or our mouths or any part of our bodies, and the, the, the exact same thing that happens in sex is happening, that's sex. And, and you might say, oh, I don't believe in that. That's crap, Ryan. I can do whatever I want. And, and, and just like Paul said, you can do whatever you want, but it's not... It's not beneficial, and it's not necessarily what God wants. So we need to make sure we define sex. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you need to pursue virginity with everything you got. Nowhere. It doesn't say it. It does say pursue purity. It does say honor God with your body. That's a lot more than just like this little loophole, because a lot of people think there's a loophole in God's rule. He just says don't have sex, so I'll just do whatever else I want. But the truth is that's not, that's the same thing as sex. It's getting the same goal. Our body's reacting the exact same way. It doesn't know any different. It just reacts to a stimuli. And so, and so we are called to honor God with our body. Even if you don't believe anything I just said, we can all agree that those things aren't honoring God with our body. We're not honoring God with our body when we do everything except for sex. We're not. And the thing about honoring God with your body compared to how far is too far is it cuts through the gray area. There's a lot of gray area when we say how far is too far. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't exactly say it. So, you know, I could kind of do this. I can kind of touch here and do this and do whatever I want. But, but the, body doesn't, the Bible doesn't really say anything about it. So no big deal. But when we say honor God with your body, it cuts through all the gray area. It cuts through like, is this right or wrong? And being all legalistic, it just said, it, it really gets down to the heart of the issue. And we know the answer. We know the answer uh, when we're doing it. We know that whether or not we're honoring God with our body. We can't lie or rationalize our way around honoring God with your body. You can lie to yourself and say, I don't think this is too far. I think God would be okay with this. You can, you can, you can say, you can lie to yourself. You can rationalize. You can say, yeah, but everyone else is doing it. Yeah, but I didn't have sex. Yeah, but I'm still a virgin. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I didn't do this or I didn't do it with this person. Or at least they were my boyfriend or my girlfriend. I was in a two-month relationship. So that, that's all that really matters, right? Well, no, that, that's not honoring God with your body. And when we, when we put everything through that filter, it makes things a whole lot simpler. It makes it very easy to see what's right and what's wrong, what, what, what God wants from us and what he doesn't want from us. Another way we can ask that question or, or, or that statement of honor God with your body is what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? There are some things that aren't necessarily wrong or illegal that, that people wouldn't say are, are, are bad, but that we know in our hearts of hearts, it's not wise. It's not wise to spend the night with someone, even if you're not doing anything. It's not wise because we know over time what's going to happen. 
when we keep putting ourselves in those situations, that it's going to lead us down a path towards something that we don't necessarily want. We, we can cut through all of the lies and the rationalizations by just saying, honor God with my body, or what is the wise thing to do? And we know the answer. And so I want to I give you a... Uh, I want to give you a, 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 an illustration, and it's not a perfect illustration. No illustration is perfect, so bear with me here. But it's something I did a couple years ago, so some of you remind, uh, remember it. Um, but it's, it, it can kind of show you how sex affects us. And what happens when we say, well, how far is too far, instead of saying, honor God with my body, or what is the wise thing to do? Both of which were written in Scripture by Paul to the churches in different areas of the world. So what happens when we get involved sexually? And many of you remember this. Uh, Miss Purple will say her name is Christina. Mr. White will say is uh, Tommy. So Tommy and Christina meet, and they meet in college, and they start going on some dates, and like, ah, you know, I, I, we like each other. And, uh, you know, they tell each other, he asks her out, he gets past that first big step, and, you know, there's a connection, and they like each other, and uh, they start hanging out with each other's friends. And so when they start hanging out with each other's friends, now they're getting in the same social circles, and that kind of gives a connection to them. And uh, they start holding hands, and, uh, and there's, a, there's a connection from that. Um, there's, a, there's a connection when they're hugging, when they're cuddling, when they're watching movies, they're going on dates. They're getting closer and closer. Nothing wrong with any of that. They start making out. Cool. No problem. But they say, we're going to honor God with our bodies. We're not going to get involved past a point where we should get involved and so uh, a couple of months down the road, or, or years down the road, they date for a while, they really like each other, but they, 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 they honor God with their bodies and they break up. And it, it doesn't feel good. We've all been through a breakup, or a lot of us have been through a breakup. I've been through breakups, I've been dumped. We know it doesn't feel good. Even if we're the dumper, it doesn't feel good. You had this connection with someone, and, and there are some holes that develop. There are some... Some, some scars that happen. And scars go away eventually. They, they fade, but they're still always kind of there. We, they, they never fully go away. That's why they're a scar. They're kind of a lifelong thing. And pieces of us um, are, are kind of connected to other people. Friend, it, there's that awkward thing where it's like, well, I used to hang out with him, but uh, then we broke up, so now I'm not really sure what to do. Whose side are you on? We try to like get our friends to go on certain people's sides and all that kind of stuff. And it hurts. But look at, look at this. It, it's, not, it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst thing to ever happen. But a year later, Tommy meets another girl. We'll call her uh, Mary. Tommy meets Mary, and uh, he likes her too. He likes her the same amount. They go out for the same amount of time. Um, and, uh, and, and Tommy's like, oh, well, this is, this is going good. I'm going to date her. We're going to meet each other's friends. We're hanging out. We're going to movies. And, uh, you know, we, they start kissing. They start holding hands. They start, uh, they start saying, I love you, and that's a, that's a bigger staple than you probably realize. It's a, it's, a, it's a big thing when you say that to someone. It's a commitment that you're saying. So, I love you. Oh, and they're, and they're hanging out. They meet each other's parents. Same thing as him and his prior relationship. But then they start to say, well, how far can we get? Well, how far can we go? Ah, it's just, it's just hand stuff. So, that, that's not that big of a deal. So, we'll do a little bit of that. It's not really sex, is it? it, it we could do that. And they start pushing a little bit, and they start saying... Uh, it's just grinding, uh, no big deal, we still got our clothes on, so we can't be sitting too bad, right? And so they're just kind of doing that, and they get to the point where they're getting more and more intimate, and the sex and the sexual um, boundaries are being pushed farther and farther back, and they're being more and more connected. And it's not like they go out any longer, they go out for the same amount of time, but eventually they go down the road and they start, 
having sex. And once they start having it, well, what's the point of stopping? We've already gone down this road. So they do it whenever they can. They sneak around. They do it. And they're going <clears throat> farther and farther. And then one day, the same thing happens to them. Things don't go so well. Tommy and Mary get in a fight. And they have to, unfortunately, break up. Right? But this time, they went through a lot more than the first relationship. And this is one of the results. Now, 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 I want you to hear this. These two people are still loved by God. These two people are still made whole through Christ. These two people are not the sum of their parts. They're not worthless because this has happened to them. But, but we can see that the damage is great. There are parts of them that are stuck to each other. There are connections that were made physiologically and chemically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally that they can't really undo. And now this, I can promise you, and some of you have been through this, this breakup hurts a lot more than Tommy's other relationship and his other breakup. And why did this happen? This is the effect of sex outside of marriage. Because when we, when we break up, when things end, it makes it even more devastating. We are connected in a way that we never would have been if we honored God with our body. Now, this is the point where some of you, again, and I, and I said we are, we are full of grace and love. And this is the point where some of you are saying, that's me. That's happened to me. I feel like that piece of paper. Because I went past a boundary that I shouldn't have gone past. I, I asked how far is too far instead of asking, well, what's the wise thing to do? Or how can I honor God with my body? Or maybe it happened to you a, a long time ago. Maybe, maybe you've, you've been through that a long time ago and you're starting to move on. But those, those scars never fully go away. Those memories never fully go away. And, and maybe, maybe you haven't done it with another person. But there are some connections and scars and, 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 and scrapes and bruises that are happening in your life between you and yourself and a computer. And there are some things that are going on that are hurting you and tearing you apart. Now, here's the most important thing. Here's the most important thing. More important even than honoring God with your body. And it's this last point. There is always grace through Jesus. No matter what you have done. Write that down. If you write down anything, write that down. There is always grace through Jesus, no matter what you have done. So some of you looked at pornography this afternoon. There is always grace through Jesus. Some of you had sex with your boyfriend or your girlfriend last night. And you're starting to feel like, man, gosh, I can't believe this. I can't believe what I did, and, and now I'm just feeling bad about myself. No, 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 no. No guilt and shame. There's always grace through Jesus, no matter what you have done. We're in prom season. Some of you lost your virginity for the very first time in the last month at prom, and there is always grace through Jesus, no matter what. I want to give you proof, biblical proof of this point. This isn't something I made up. This is something just to make you feel good. This is, I want to give you biblical proof. And we all know this story if we've been around church for a while. There is a woman who is caught in the act of adultery. Not in the act of looking at pornography. Not in the act of oral sex. In the act of having sex with another woman's husband. 
about as bad as it gets. This is the letter of the law of the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery. And I don't know if she got tricked or if, she, or if they were just trying to trick Jesus or whatever. But some men find her and they drag her out of bed naked. And they throw her down in the middle of noon, in the middle of the, uh, the courts of this city, in front of everybody, in front of the religious leaders. This is like the social devastation of a lifetime. Like, she is naked. She is crying. She is beaten up. Scrapes on her knees from being thrown down in the, in the dry earth. And she's sitting there in front of Jesus. And they say, well, you know what the law says, don't you, Jesus? The law says we should, we should stone this woman. We should kill her because she's earned it. She messed up sexually. That's one of the big ten, Jesus. You've got to do something about this. So what are you going to do, Jesus? And now we have a chance to see a window into Jesus' heart and soul, a window into what he believes about sexual sin, which Paul does say affects us in a way that no other sin does. And here's what we see. We see Jesus bend over and write something in the dirt. And then stand up and he says, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. Whoever has never messed up, ever, go ahead and stone her. And one by one, starting with the older guys, the wiser guys, everybody leaves until it's just the man, Jesus, and the woman, the adulterer. She's like, what, well, what about you? This is what he says. He, he doesn't go and say... Hold that thought. He doesn't go and get the biggest boulder he can find and smash her to death because that's what he could have done. He had never done anything wrong. He was the one who could have killed her. He's the one that could have judged her and condemned her. Well, what does he say? What does he say? You, you, guys, you guys have heard it. You guys have read it. He says, neither do I condemn you. Reminds us of John three seventeen. that Jesus did not come into the world to, to condemn the world, but to save the world. For God so, he didn't so judge the world or hate the world. He so loved the world. And so, so he, he says, I don't condemn you. And then he adds this one phrase. He doesn't just not condemn her. He doesn't just forgive her. He doesn't just give her grace. He adds this one phrase that's very, very, very important. He says, go and sin no more. What he's saying there is what we talked about last week. Is that he is a loving shepherd, a loving father that wants more for us than that. He did not want to leave and then after he leaves the city, two months later, this happens again and she gets stoned. He didn't want her to be thrown down again in front of people in an embarrassment again. He says, go and sin no more. Leave that. I want you to be free. I want you to be living that abundant life. 1 John 1 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us, purify us. Even if we haven't gone through pure, towards purity, even if we've messed up, and we probably have all messed up in some way, shape, or form, He purifies us from all unrighteousness. And so this is a, this is a, this is a, a private thing, so I want to ask you to, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And don't go looking around. This is, this is between you and God. I'm not paying attention to who's raising their hands and who's not. But here's what I want you to do for the, the, the first group of people. A lot of you in this room know Christ. You're saved. You love Jesus. But you know, as we talked about this, there are some things that have happened in your past with another person, with a computer screen, um, with your mind and lust that have been wrong. That have been not honoring God with our body. God wants more for you that. He doesn't want to condemn you. He doesn't want you to feel bad about yourself and be stuck in guilt and shame. What he wants for you 
is to feel peace and grace. And to remember that when we ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name, our sins are thrown away and forgotten. Our slate is wiped clean. So if you're a Christian in this room and you would like prayer, you would like prayer um, for something you've done wrong, you'd like prayer for for courage to to get past a certain habit, you'd like to experience some of the, uh, the grace and forgiveness that lately you haven't been feeling because you've been just feel full of guilt and shame, or even throughout this talk, you've started thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I, I messed up. And just like that woman, there is grace for you. And if that's you, and you just want to be, uh, you just want to pray with me for that peace and that grace and that forgiveness from God. And again, it doesn't just have to be sex with someone else. It could be lust, it could be pornography, whatever it is. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, and I want to include you in a prayer. I want to pray for you, and I'd like you to pray along with me, asking for forgiveness. One, two, there is forgiveness. Three, raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's you. You're dealing with something sexual. You're dealing with some kind of memory that's sexual in nature, something, some kind of habit, and you just need some prayer. You can put those hands down. Let me pray for you. Jesus. I pray over the students, the adults that just raise their hand. Lord, you love them. You want more for them to be them than to be stuck in sin, to be messed up, to be thrown down in front of people and embarrassed. You don't want guilt or shame, Lord. You didn't come to condemn us, but to save us, Lord. I pray for peace and grace upon the people that raised their hand and upon the people that didn't want to raise their hand, but are still struggling to. Peace over them. Grace. I pray that you will give them the power to go and sin no more, to move away from that life. Move away from those issues. Move away from those temptations. And to honor God, honor you with their bodies. We ask this in your name. Amen. And keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I want to pray a second prayer because there's some people in here. I know there's some people here. I know it. I know. There's, there's, there, there are way too many people in here for someone to not have come tonight not knowing Christ. And as we've talked about this stuff, you're like, hey, this doesn't really apply to me. I'm not a Christian. Oh, and then you got to that end part and you're like, oh my gosh, is there forgiveness for me because I'm not a Christian? There is forgiveness for you in Jesus. And the Bible says that, that, that if we believe in our hearts, not our parents' belief, not our church attendance, not my belief, not what your life group leader or your friend wants for you, but if we personally believe with our hearts that Jesus is Lord and we confess it with our mouth, then we will be saved. It doesn't make us perfect. It doesn't make those temptations go away. Or, or we might wake up tomorrow and still be addicted to whatever we were addicted to. But he has washed us clean. He has purified our souls and our bodies. And so I'd like to pray with you. And you can repeat the words after me. I don't have magical words. It's, the, it's that you believe it in your heart. And I don't care. Don't be proud. I don't care if you've been coming to church for a long time. If you've never given your life to Christ, this is your moment. If you came for the first time tonight, you've never given your life to Christ, this is your moment. This is an eternal decision. Don't leave this place if you're feeling called to do this. Don't leave this place without doing it. So on the count of three, if that's you, if you want to give your life to Christ and pray the prayer with me, I want to invite you to one, Jesus loves you. Two, your opportunity. This is your day. Don't let it pass. Don't let Satan keep you to himself. Give yourself over to Jesus. Three, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's you. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray and pray alongside me this prayer because it's your prayer to Jesus that matters, not mine. Pray this along with me. Jesus, I'm yours. 
I know I'm in need of a Savior. I know I've messed up, whether it's sexually or something else. Purify me. I surrender my life to you. I believe you're the Son of God. I know you love me. I know you died for me and rose again to conquer everything I've ever done, everything I ever will do. I want to live my life for you. Thank you. In your name. In your name.